Romans, the first chapter. I'm so thankful that in Dusty's prayer, he, he mentioned truth several times. I don't know if you caught that, but I did. And, and that is because that's what we're going to be talking about today, about truth. And, and there'll be a couple verses in our reading today that will stand out to you since, I, since I've, I've said that. And so uh, let's read from verse uh, Romans 1, verses 16 through 25. I'll be reading from New King James Version this morning. This is the Apostle Paul as he's writing, and he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word of truth. And Father, what we know not teach us, what we have not give us, and who we are not make us. For Christ's sake and in his name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, last Sunday, I, I began a partial review of uh, our Romans series um, to, to get us back in remembrance of where we left off some eight months ago. And I thought I had reminded us of everything that I wanted to, but uh, some things kept coming back to me, and it was the two verses that talked of truth. And because I, I believe... It is important for us to remind ourselves of the absolute importance of truth, biblical truth. Because, in, <laughs> now this is the part where a lot of times I'll say, it seems to me, but I don't need to say it seems to me, America has fallen away from biblical truth. And I believe everyone in here would say amen to that. And as we read today, there are many 
many who are suppressing the truth in unrighteousness and are exchanging the truth of God for the lie. Many, many. And consider the Apostle Paul wrote this over 2,000 years ago. Does Paul's summation paint a picture of the human condition and the current issues here in America today? <laughs> yes, it does. You know, they said nothing new under the sun. So the two portions that kept coming back to me this week, again, of, of those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness and of those who exchange the truth of God for the lie. So I want us to go back, I, I, I went back and I read the sermon that I preached some eight months ago. It spoke to me all over again. And so let's remind ourselves of a few things because all of this, getting this foundation set one more time, is going to get us ready for verse 26. And you'll see what I mean at the end of the sermon. So, so don't get caught up in verse 26 right now. Stay with me right here. And then we're going to talk about it when we get there at the end of the sermon, okay? Uh, suppress the truth. That that Greek word suppress, katecho, it means to hold down, to withhold, to hinder the truth. So when truth doesn't line up in particular with an unbeliever's lifestyle or with the things that they hold dear and are holding on to, what do they do? Well, a few perhaps will be convicted by the Holy Spirit and shown truth and may come to Christ and, and praise the Lord. But many, many will exchange the truth of God for the lie. Now it says the lie, and if it's okay for me to say this, to exchange the truth of God for their lie. Because everybody's lies are different. You know, a lie is a lie, sin is sin, yes, but everybody has their own excuses that will match their own personal truth. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I'm sure you have come across people when you try to talk to them about the sovereignty of God, about the wrath of God and the love of God, that's all oh, the wrath of God, that's not my God, that's my God. My God's only a God of love. He would never send anybody to hell. The truth is, yes, that is their God. Do you understand what I'm saying when I say that? Because they have made an idol. It's not the one true God. They have made a God of their own liking. Not the biblical God, but of their own Bible, of what they make, of what they made up. And so they, they create their own lies of their own choosing and they, they fabricate it to ease their conscience. That's what they do. And I've read this before, a quote from John Piper. Let me read it again. And this is Piper, and he says, And when the truth hunts us down and corners us, we will dodge and distort and evade and mislead and equivocate and lie. Now let me pause there for a moment. Equivocate, it means to be vague, to be sneaky, to be evasive. Any of us do that? Now, kids learn this very early, don't they? They, they? they do. They do because they're born children of wrath. The Word of God tells us that. We, we were all born unto sin. And so it comes to them very easily. 
And so that's the things that you as parents that, that do have kids, you, you try to train them. You raise them up. You, you tell them what the Word of God says. Uh, when, when confronted with a question, uh, I want all the kids looking at me right now. All you kids, everybody, well, everybody, but the kids especially, looking at me. Mom and Dad ask you a question. You don't hem-haw around. You don't try to start thinking in your mind of uh, how can I word this to where it's not going to get me in so much trouble. Don't go there. Just tell the truth. Amen? Just tell the truth. And it goes for us adults too. We all have situations of life that we may find ourselves where, oh man, if I tell the truth, it's going to make me look bad. No, just tell the truth. Just tell the truth. So so let, let me get back to Piper now. And when the truth hunts us down and corners us, I like how he worded that, we will dodge and distort and evade and mislead and equivocate and lie. And when that doesn't work to suppress the truth, we will shift to blaming and accusing and deflecting anything to hold down the truth from having its full effect in our lives, end quote. And now your parents are... you, you, you know, you, perhaps you faced it this morning. If one lie doesn't work, shift gears. Start pointing the finger at somebody else. It's not me, it's them. Start as, as we say, start throwing people under the bus, you see. No. Tell the truth, because truth matters. It matters to God. So be truthful. See, suppressing the truth, withholding the truth, hindering the truth, speaks to an issue of the heart, doesn't it? It it speaks to the issue of sin and disobedience. Verse 18 said, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now, let's look at what truth is being suppressed? What truth is being suppressed? And what we want to do, we want to keep it in the context of, of where the Apostle Paul has it here. And, and we're going to go uh, verses 19 through 21 one more time. Put that up. And we're going to walk through this just for a minute. So we suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them. Now, you know what it means when it says manifest, right? It means revealed, shown to them, made manifest to them, for God has shown it to them. So, so, so here's the truth that God Himself has shown to them. Who's the them? It's everybody. It's all of creation. And, and perhaps, if I was going to say in particular, perhaps the unrighteous. But it's to all, all. All, all have sinned. There's no none righteous, no, not one. Yet God Himself has revealed the truth about Himself to everyone. You understand that? You mean to the unreached tribe in Africa, He has revealed Himself? Yes. And if a missionary never makes it to them, they will be held accountable before God for what they have seen and know of God. No one will have an excuse. That's what it says. No one 
will have an excuse. Because just by seeing creation, they know there's a creator. And, and God will speak to their heart without the Bible, without anything else. God can speak to those hearts and they can believe God. And it can be accounted to them for righteousness. Can't it? Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. So let me pause. How long has God's invisible attributes been clearly seen? Since creation. In the world that God created, His attributes are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. No one. No one will have an excuse. No one can can say that they didn't know God because creation itself speaks of the eternal power and divine nature of God. Verse 21, because although they knew God, well, how did they know God? Well, we just read how they knew God. By creation, just by opening their eyes or just by feeling or just being in this world. Because although they knew God, what did they do? They did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. See, even though they knew God, even by His creation, they did not glorify Him, they did not honor Him as God, nor did they give thanks. But rather, what did they do? Well, they made idols, false gods, unto themselves. Verse 23. And change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Now, here's the account or the, the biblical story that, that came to my mind even as I was thinking about that. Let, let's go back to Moses. Let's go back to Mount Sinai. Let's go back to God being on that mountain. And that mountain is alive with the presence of God. Moses goes up. People, he's been gone too long. Well, what are we going to do? I got an idea. Let's get our gold together. Let's make our own God. And they made an idol. That's what came to my mind in the midst of this. But they paid for that, didn't they? They paid for that. They paid for that disobedience. But but that but that's see that could be a whole another another sermon and for another time. Um, so so here's the truth. Here's the truth. Uh, because there at Mount Sinai, someone, someone began suppressing the truth, didn't they? That's what happened. In simple terms, someone began suppressing the truth. They exchanged the truth of God for the lie. They built an idol. Can people do that today? Yes. 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 So so the truth that that Paul is talking about here, that the truth that's being suppressed is this. There is a God, one true God. He is the creator of all things. He is powerful. He has made everything. He is eternal because nothing existed before Him. He is not created, but is the creator of all things. That's the truth that is being suppressed. 
Because He is God, and He is God alone. We didn't sing that song today. You are not a God created by human hands. That's a good lyric, because there are millions of these gods in the world created by human thoughts. And some even fashion some kind of image. So, this is the truth that is being suppressed in unrighteousness, and it's confirmed in verse 25. Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. They didn't glorify Him as God or give Him thanks, but instead glorified the creature, the created, and took credit for what was owing only to God. God's a jealous God, is He not? Yes, He is. They exchanged God worship for self-worship, for idol worship. Again, the truth being suppressed, God exists, God is eternal and infinitely powerful, and God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Uh, Again, I'm going to borrow from Piper. Uh, He said it this way, quote, And therefore our reason for being, our chief duty, The end for which we were created and the commandment written on every heart is to display the glory of this great God every day, hour by hour, as we live in the exaltation over his bounty to us. And and I know I didn't go back and look, but that was probably right after this that we preached that sermon talking about the chief end of man. And uh, that that was that uh, we, we looked at the Westminster Uh, catechism the question what is the chief end of man the answer man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever that's why we were put on this planet that's why we were born to to enjoy him and to glorify him that's why we're here now now turn to second Thessalonians second Thessalonians second chapter 2 Thessalonians, 2nd chapter. Um, This is where Paul is describing the end of the age and the great apostasy and deception that will come on the world in those days. And so we're just going to read uh, verses uh, 9 through 12. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Let me pause. He can dress himself and appear as an angel of light, can't he? The Word tells us so. And he will come, talking of Satan, the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception. With all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Why will they perish? Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Why did they perish? They did not receive the love of the truth. Verse 11, And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, this will 
lead into the next sermon. What, what, what I just read right there. That He will give them strong delusion. I'm going to talk about it a little bit later. But, but there will come a point when God will say, no more. No more. And to be abandoned by God should be a terrifying and frightful thing. But to someone who's been abandoned, they are in their sin. They are happy in their sin. They're right where they want to be. And there will come a point where God will just say, enjoy your sin. He doesn't say that. But it's as if He is letting them go. And we'll talk about that more in particular in the sermon to come. So why do people perish? Unbelief in the truth. The only reason anyone will perish is unbelief in the truth. Rather than believing, they suppress the truth. They believe a lie. They take pleasure in unrighteousness rather than believing the truth. They have a stronger affection for the pleasures of sin than for God. That is what unrighteousness is, loving sin more than loving God and His truth. Let's go to John, the third chapter. John, third chapter, verses 19 through 21. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. Let me pause there for a minute and just ask the question, why? Why would they do that? Why would they do such a thing? Why, why would they love darkness rather than the light that has come? Well, because their deeds were evil. That's why. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light. Let me pause there. Apart from a miracle of grace and mercy, that is everyone. Apart from the miracle of regeneration that only comes by God the Father. Salvation is of the Lord. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. (laughs) People don't like that, do they? They don't like their evil deeds being exposed. Verse 21, But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. So there is the difference. See, the unrighteous suppress the truth to hide. To conceal the ugliness of their sin and their desires because they desire the darkness. They love sin more than God. And this, Paul says in Romans 1.18, is why the wrath of God is being poured out. Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. The wrath of God. See, this suppression of the truth of His glory, His power, His deity, and His goodness is because of man's love affair with unrighteousness, and this will bring the wrath of God. Is there any hope? Yes. Yes. Yes, there's hope. See, that's the message. That's the gospel. And the hope lies in 
in what really I guess we focused on last Sunday, verses 16 and 17 in Romans 1. Here's the hope where Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. It, it, the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it, in what? In the gospel of Christ, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I read this last Sunday. I want to read it again because it, it explains all that so well. Let me let me read. Quote, God demands, God demands righteousness and we don't have it. So the only hope for us is that God himself would give the righteousness that he demands. That's put very well. And that is what he does. That is the gospel. The reason the gospel is the power of God for salvation, the way that the gospel saves believers, is that in it, God reveals a righteousness for us that God demands from us. That's what Christ did in going to the cross, you see. What we have to have, but could not create or supply or perform, God freely gives us freely, namely His own righteousness, the righteousness of God, and only the only hope for us is that God Himself would give the righteousness He demands. This is how the gospel saves us from the wrath of God. Jesus Christ going to the cross, taking upon Himself the punishment for my sin. Bearing the wrath of God so that I wouldn't have to. And in being shown the light of Christ by the Spirit and the truth of God's Word, upon repentance and and believing, I am now clothed in a robe of righteousness, not of my own. If you're born again, you are too. A robe of righteousness that was nothing I could earn, nothing I could make myself, nothing but a gift of God. And that is Christ. That is Christ. That is the gospel. That everyone who believes in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus might be saved. Saved from the penalty of sin. Saved from the wrath of God. Everlasting life to the believer. The wrath of God for the unbeliever. That part is very simple, isn't it? Either a believer to enjoy eternal life with Christ or an unbeliever to face the wrath of God and eternal punishment. John 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son, Jesus Christ, he who believes in the Son has what? Everlasting life. Everlasting life. But I'll keep reading. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Blessed are those who have believed. Let's read John 3. Let's read, let's go back, get verses 14 and 16 that we read so often. John 3, 14 through 16. 
And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. That's heartbreaking words right there, isn't it? If you know someone who is lost in their sin, the wrath of God abides on them even now. That they are condemned already apart from a miracle of salvation. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Randy, Sunday after Sunday, you read those verses. You read those verses. And I hear that question over and over and over. Do you believe? I ask it because it's important. I, I ask the question because I'm compelled by the Holy Spirit to ask that question so that perhaps some may be convicted that, that perhaps God the Father might have mercy, that He might, perhaps might draw someone to Himself. That's why I ask the question. And I ask it because the Bible asks it over and over and over again. If you're still in John, let's go to the first chapter. Let's just walk through some verses in John, and then I'm going to take one from 1 John. John 1, 12 and 13. But as many as received Him, received Christ. But as many as received Him, to them He, Christ, gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in His name who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Born again. Born again. And if you go to chapter 5, John 5, verse 24. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. That's where the children of God will say, praise the Lord. He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. Well, who sent Jesus Christ? God the Father sent his only begotten son. John 6, verse 40. John 6, verse 40. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son... Not the Son, S-U-N, but the Son, S-O-N, sees Christ and believes in Him may have everlasting life and I will raise Him up at the last day. See, that, that's, that's the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that because He lived, He died, He rose again, we too shall rise to be with Him. Verse 47 John 6, verse 47, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. 
You see why I bring up believe? Do you believe? You see why I bring it up over and over and over again? Because I'll tell you this, what the Bible says over and over and over again is very important. If there's some obscure little old passage that some people wants to turn into a whole doctrine and there's only one mention of it in the whole Bible, you need to walk very carefully around that. But what, where, where the Bible speaks loudly over and over and over again, proclaim that with all gusto that you can. John 11, verse 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, John 11, verse 25 and 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Let me pause there for a minute. What's he talking about? That this body one day is going to go back to the dust of the ground. Unless we're here when the Lord returns and, and I don't know how all that would, would happen and we're caught up to be with Him. But someday this is going, going back to the dust of the earth. And though we may die, we will live again with Him. With Him. And whoever lives and believes in Me shall never die do you believe this? <laughs> do you believe this? Children of God, do you believe that? That although though this body someday may... may, may Because this, this, this is just a vessel of the Holy Spirit. This is not my permanent home, this body. Uh, there's, there's better coming. There's better coming. Uh, let's go into 1 John now. 1 John, 5th chapter. 1 John, 5th chapter. First John 5th chapter, I'm going to read just verse 13. First John 5 verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. See, one of the evidences that you are truly born again is because you will persevere to the end. Perseverance. Perseverance. You will persevere to the end. That's that's the uh, perhaps that's the ultimate true uh, that we can look to. Uh, yes, the the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if we truly are a child of God, we will not fall away, utterly fall away. If we do stumble into sin as a child of God, what will God do? He'll come get us. He'll not leave us out there. He'll come. He'll leave the 99 and He'll come for that one lost sheep and bring them back into the fold. He will not leave you there. And on that road of bringing you back, you may suffer consequences of discipline from God. Amen? These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Is it necessary that I keep asking this question over and over? For me, it's yes, it is. Because the true answer to the question of believing or not is the difference between heaven and hell. Just put it very plainly. It's the difference between the love of God and the wrath of God. 
the answer to that question. That's, that's the difference. Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, I, I, I pray that all might come to the saving knowledge of the truth of God's word. The gospel of Jesus Christ, because real truth matters. Because it, it is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that has set any of us free. Amen? It is. And you shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. And that's John 8. John 8, uh, verse 31, 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Are you free today? <laughs> I hope you are. I hope you know the Lord. Child of God, we owe our very existence as a believer to the word of truth. To the word of truth. I want to read a few more verses. Let's go to James first chapter. James first chapter. Verse 16 through 18. Consider the importance of the word of truth. This is James. Uh, verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruit of His creatures. How were we brought forth? By the word of truth, by the will of God, God's will. Second Thessalonians, this is going to add on to the, what we read earlier in Second Thessalonians. Let's go back to Second Thessalonians, second chapter, verses 13 and 14. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, Brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which He called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. God chose me? Yes. Every born-again believer chosen by God from the beginning. How can we comprehend that? How can we understand that? All I know is this. Did God have a chosen people in the Old Testament? Yes, He did. The Old Testament is types and shadows of everything to come. Does God have a chosen people that will 
He will pour out eternal life on to be the bride for His Son? Yes, He does. Do I understand all of that? No, that's God's. I know what His Word says. And I believe His Word because it's truth. I believe it because it's true. I didn't deserve salvation. I didn't deserve anything to merit that Christ would die for my sins. But by the mercy and grace of God, while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. How did He bring any of us forth? How did He give us birth? By the word of truth. Apostle Paul said, by the spirit and belief in the truth. In his prayer, Christ prayed this in John 17, 17. It's very short. Let me just read it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. It is by this word of truth that any child of God is saved. I said, well, preacher, you just contradicted what you said earlier in the sermon about those that uh, have to trust in creation. Well, how does he bring most by the word of truth? By his order. And even then, it's his word. It's in that it's truth. So I, so I didn't contradict myself. Because in, in their minds, he will open up truth. And so it is still his truth. Okay? Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? And hearing by the Word of God, the Word of truth. Now, now we have this that we can go to. We have it written. Or perhaps some do not have it. And just because they don't have a written Bible, they still have no excuse because God reveals Himself even in creation. Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14. Ephesians 1. 13.14, in Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. In whom also, having believed, you see the transition here? In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Any true born-again believer, will any of them ever be lost? No, not one. Because they have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Jesus said, what can snatch them out of my Father's hand? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. Purchased. Redeemed. By the blood of Christ. Paul writes to the Colossians, thankful for their faith in Christ and their love for one another. In Colossians 1, verses 5 and 6. Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel, which has come to you, as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. How important is truth? It's, it's by the truth of the word, by the truth of God, ever how he speaks it to us. 
that we might come to faith. That's grace. That's mercy. So I'd ask the question, child of God, how much are you loved? How much are you loved? That God would give His only begotten Son. That God would call you. That He would draw you to Himself for His own. And of His own will, He gave you life by the word of truth. See, see, we should praise Him every moment, shouldn't we? Aren't you thankful for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Now, I, I'm gonna, we're going to pause there for just a moment, but all of that over the last couple of Sundays has brought us to the point of we're getting ready to step into verse 26. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now, preaching the truth of God's Word is very politically incorrect. But, by the grace of God, and you've been praying for me, it will be biblically correct. Okay? Regardless of what the world says, we must hold to the truth of God's Word. And, and as long as He gives me breath, that's what I will do. But because, because here, every, everything, talking about truth, talking about truth, talking about those who suppress the truth and, and lie, those who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, we see it everywhere. And here's what the Word of God says as we go, uh, as we prepare to go in a couple of weeks, we'll, we'll get there uh, of verse 26 and beyond. For those who suppress the truth in righteousness, for those who exchange the truth of God for the lie, for those who did not retain God in their knowledge, I'm just going to quickly go through this, verse 24. Therefore, God also gave them up. Let that ring in your mind. Gave them up. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. Let that ring in your mind. Verse 28 through, we'll go ahead and read through 32. For even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over. Okay. Three times, God gave them up, God gave them up, God gave them over. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Oh, look at that. Look what got thrown in there. Kids, look what got thrown in there. Disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of what? Death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice the same. Man, see what we're coming up against? So you be praying about what's to come. Be praying about what's to come. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we, we, we come to you and just give thanks for your word of truth. 
And Lord, may, may we always let Your Word be true. And it is true. And Lord, help me that I would never, never, never exchange Your truth for some lie. Lord, help us as this little congregation to, to hunger and thirst for, for Your righteousness, to hunger and thirst for Your truth, to hunger and thirst for Your Word. And Lord, give us boldness to stand in the midst of opposition. And, and help us, Lord, to stand firm, but in that firmness, and perhaps even in that boldness, that we would speak the truth in love. Lord, let us have compassion for those who are lost. Let us have compassion for those who are being deceived. Let us have compassion for those whose eyes are blinded by the God of this age. Lord, let us have compassion because we know, apart from a miracle of salvation, what their end will be. And it will be wrath. So Father, I pray that that perhaps if there would be someone in this room, even right now, that doesn't know Christ, that Lord, that, that you are opening their eyes and revealing truth. And in revealing truth, they would see their sin. They would see your righteousness and your holiness. And they would see their separation from you. And Lord, reveal to them their sin. Open their eyes to truth. Draw them to yourself. Grant them faith to believe. Grant them repentance. And help them, Lord, that they would turn from their sin and follow you. So, Lord, those of us who are born again, help us to always stand for truth. Regardless of persecution, regardless of opposition, regardless of, of what may happen. Help us to be truthful people and hold up Your truth. Help us, Father, in the days to come. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.